Yeah, Psalm 45. It says, My heart is overflowing with a good theme. I recite my composition concerning the king. My tongue is the pen of a ready writer. Morning, Ricky. Welcome. Glad you made it. Everybody watch her for today. You are fairer than the sons of men. Grace is poured upon your lips. Therefore, God has blessed you forever. Gird your sword upon your thigh, O mighty one, with your glory and your majesty. And in your majesty, and in your majesty, ride prosperously because of truth, humility, and righteousness. And your right hand shall teach you awesome things. Your arrows are sharp in the heart of the king's enemies. The people fall under you. Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. You love righteousness and hate wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you. Now, he's not, God is not schizophrenic. He's not talking to himself. Sort of, in a way, he kind of is, but he's not schizophrenic. This is talking about Jesus. God, your, therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than your companions. All your garments are scented with myrrh and aloes and cassia. Out of the ivory palaces by which they have made you glad, king's daughters are among your honorable women. At your right hand stands the queen in gold from Ophir. I believe that's how you say it, I don't know. Listen, O daughter, consider and incline your ear. Forget your own people also and your father's house. So the king will greatly desire your beauty. Behold, he is your Lord. Worship him. And the daughter of Tyre will come with a gift. The rich among the people will seek your favor. The royal daughter is all glorious within the palace. Her clothing is woven with gold. She shall be brought to the king in robes of many colors. The virgins, her companions who follow her, shall be brought to you. With gladness and rejoicing they shall be brought. They shall enter the king's palace. Instead of your fathers shall be your sons, whom you shall make princes in all the earth. I will make your name to be remembered in all generations. Therefore, the people shall praise you forever and ever. Amen? So let's all stand and praise the Lord this morning. The Lamb has overcome. Amen? He has overcome. Here's what I feel like the Lord is leading me to do this morning. Ricky, could you please come up? some Kleenex. So this week, the last couple of days, Jen and I were had the opportunity to go to Wilderness Fellowship and spend some time in prayer, alone, quiet, and uh, as we did that, we one of the things we, we talked about was Anna in the temple, spending time, and it says she spent time in the temple in prayer and fasting. And it was that that was noteworthy. That was that was that was something that was so noteworthy that they they wrote it that God wrote it down. He he led people to write that down in the, in the Bible and it was noteworthy that she spent time in prayer and fasting. And this lady right here spends so much time in prayer for this church, for this community, for all of us, for her family. But I just want you to know this morning, Ricky, that the Lamb has overcome. 
And he, he just wants you to know that the Lamb has overcome. This isn't what you're going through, isn't a final chapter, it's just another page. Because I know that there's a lot more that He has for you to do. He's not done with you yet. He just needs to fix you up a little more so you can, you know, run a little bit farther. Have some more endurance. So I want, if you're led, if you feel led to come up and pray, I would just invite you to come up and let's lay hands on Ricky and let's pray for her this morning. And let's lift her up and um, we need her. We need her as part of this body. She is so important. That prayer that she and the rest of the prayer team put out is vital. So if you feel led to pray, I have a microphone. Father God, we thank you. We thank you this morning for Miss Ricky for being a part of the body of Christ here at RVCC. We thank you that she is a woman of love. Consequently, we say perfect love, cast out all fear. And you need not fear your future. You need not fear any surgery. You have not a thing to fear because God loves you. And the word that I receive is a new heart I have given unto you. <laughs> so rejoice. Not after, but before. Because your healing has been completed at Calvary. By the stripes our Lord Jesus took on his back, by the precious blood that he shed. For the word of God says in Leviticus, the life of the flesh is in the blood, and his blood flows to you, in you, and through you. So we congratulate you this day on your new heart. Hallelujah. I'm getting that it's not just the physical heart, but those deep things, those battle, battle wounds of the heart, healed in Jesus' name, healed in Jesus' name, a complete heart makeover, <laughs> a complete heart makeover. Ricky, the minute that he came up and said, Anna, the prophetess who spent time, she's one of the people I admire most in the Bible. The Lord gave me a passage for you, and I'd like to read it. Psalm 121, it says, I will lift up my eyes unto the hills from whence comes my help. My help comes from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. He will not suffer your foot to be moved. He that keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he that keeps Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is thy keeper. The Lord is thy shade upon thy right hand. The sun shall not smite thee by day nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve thee from all evil. He shall preserve thy soul. The Lord shall preserve thy going out and thy coming in from this time forth and even forevermore. Thank you. 
Ricky, we come in together here to celebrate you because we, you are loved. You are so very loved by us and by your Father God. And so we stand in all his promises right now. And we take authority over anything that's trying to come against you. We bind any sickness, disease, and pain that's been troubling you and coming against you. And we're believing that God's got better for you. He's got healing. It is yours. Um, it is his promise. So, Lord, we just thank you right now that um, you have healed Ricky, that her heart is strong and healthy, and we speak to anything, any blockages, anything that's going on in her heart, and we say be gone, because this is a child of God who is holy and righteous, in, and all your promises are true, yes and amen, to Ricky and to all of us. So, Lord, we just thank you that you bless her and keep her strong and standing in faith and, and knowing that she is loved and healed. Father God, we seal all these things in your name. God, we pray that you would cover Ricky from the top of her head to the tips of her toes, Lord God. We plead the blood of Jesus over her. Safety, security, provision, protection. God, she will lack no good thing in Jesus' name. We peace, thank you for it, Lord peace God. Peace that passes all understanding in Jesus' name. Amen. God, you say in your word that you walk through these things with us, Lord God. I pray that she would censor your presence so strongly, Lord God, through this whole thing. And however you want it to, to happen, Lord God, however you want it to, to uh, take place, her healing is done in the name of Jesus. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. I thank you that she's a powerhouse for your kingdom in Jesus' name, even more so now. Amen. All right, not sure how I introduce myself. Let's see. So coming to you today, Pastor John is uh, skiing in Colorado. Yeah, really, I know, right? <clears throat> it's the life of a pastor, apparently. Anyway, so this morning we have a, a guest speaker for you, and uh, it's the he's the he's the pastor of, of uh, Engaged Church in Prescott, Wisconsin, and uh, he's, uh, he's uh, excited to be here. And so let's just introduce him this morning, John Logan. Hey, thank you. Thank you, for, thank you for being here with me this morning. I'm glad you all didn't like leave knowing that I was uh, preaching this morning. I'm glad to see y'all stuck around. I do feel a little bit like there was a youth movement here going up in the worship, so, um, you know, why not at the pulpit, too, you know? Um, that was a joke. We got a youthful guy here this morning um, as, well, never mind. I can, I can tease him because he's not here. Can I? Is that, is that safe? Better what? Better when he is. No, it's better when he is here. I tease him. But. All right. Well, thank you for all coming out. It is uh, getting very tiring, this, this whole snow and weather thing. So um, this will be our last Sunday here. We're actually moving back down to Dallas um, <laughs> after today. So it's been great being back for a little bit, but, you know, enough's enough. So we're done. We've, we've called it. So anyway, um, so this morning I want to talk a little bit about from 2 Timothy. So if you open up your Bibles, if you have them with you, if you have your electronic version, I can't tell you what page it's on, but if you have your, your paper versions, it's on page 1857. That's a joke, too. All right, so 2 Timothy. So here we are in 2 Timothy, right? Um, here's Paul writing to Timothy. Paul's at the end of his ministry. He's at the end of his really at the end of his life. He's in prison in Rome, and he's writing to Timothy, um, his, his dear friend, Timothy, um, who happened to be in Ephesus at the time. Uh, and he was ministering there, kind of, kind of overseeing the church in Ephesus. And uh, just a little background on, on, on this, on, on Timothy, and well, first and second Timothy, actually, and Titus, are actually they're they're part of what we are what are known as the pastoral epistles. 
Tim, uh, Paul writing to Timothy and, and giving him um, instruction and encouragement and, and direction and, and admonition and, you know, exhortation and whatever, whatever uh, fancy words you want to use. But he's writing to him because Paul sees that there's a lot of, there's some issues in the church and he wants to make sure Timothy knows, you know, that, that, uh, that these things are present. Not that he doesn't already, but he just wants to re, reiterate the importance of, of uh, his message. So he addresses Timothy. And one of the overarching themes in these books, as, if you, if, as you read through and whatever, is false doctrine, false teaching, right? Um, if you read through those, those books, you'll see it's, there's a real theme there. And Paul is really addressing it here in 2 Timothy chapter 4. Verse 1. And so I just, the first question that I have this morning is Does anyone have itchy ears this morning? Does anyone have itchy ears? I was going to bring some drops, you know, just in case you did and try to remedy that. But hopefully by the end of this, you won't have itchy ears. But um, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. It says, I charge you therefore. Before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. Be watchful, verse 5, be wa- be, but you be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. So it's a mouthful, right? There's a lot here. First and foremost, there's really about three main points that I want to kind of bring out this morning. Um, there's a lot more, I'm sure, that we could draw from this, but the, the, there's three points that I kind of want to draw from this passage. And the first, first and foremost, um, there's a commissioning to preach the word, right? There's a commissioning to preach the word. And when I started, um, that when we when we started down in Prescott, and when God um, called us down there and, and Pastor John installed us or whatever. Two things that God told me when, when, when we went down there, there, there were two things that God spoke to me and said, these are the two things that I want you, that you have, that you are responsible for. Love people and preach the word. Love people and preach the word. Now it seems kind of simple, right? I even had, a, I even had somebody the other day ask me, so, and I was telling him that, you know, I told him that, you know, preach the word, love people, whatever. He's like, well, do you think that lines up with scripture? <laughs> I think so. I think so. Yeah. Because right here it says, preach the word. There you go. What more do you need to know? Right? But here's a commissioning to preach the word. Paul is, is, is giving Timothy a commissioning. And it's not something to be, to be taken lightly. Like it's so, he, he, he feels so strongly about it. And that's why he kind of says, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, right? There's a, that's, that's, a, that's a serious charge to give. That's a, that's a, that's a serious thing um, that he's giving him. And it's to be taken with all humility and honor. The Greek word for charge, I'm, I'm, I'm going to try, I'll try to say it, right? The Greek word for charge is diamar tu ramahi. Don't even try to say it, okay? That's what it says. But it, what it means is often translated testified. So he's testifying before God and the Lord Jesus Christ. He's giving that testif- te- testify. He's testifying before him. And the verb of that Greek word has legal connotations or connections and can mean testify under oath in a court of law or to adjure a witness to do so. Kind of interesting, right? That's a that's a like that's a serious commissioning. 
That's a serious charge, right? We, we aren't to be taken, it's not to be taken lightly. And what about the highest court in, in all of the universe before God and Jesus Christ, right? It's the highest court we can stand and stand before. And the, because the consequences really are eternal. Amen, right? He's, so he's telling them, preach the word. This is so important. And I want you to know that it's before God and, and the Lord Jesus Christ. And possibly Paul may be passing on the mantle at this point, right? He knows he's at the end of his life. He knows that he needs someone that can take things and, and roll with it. And Timothy, being his, his long friend and, and companion, he's telling him, you know what? I'm passing this on to you. Preach the word. And now it's up to Timothy to kind of step up. Not that he hasn't already, not that he's already been part of that. I mean, he is still, he is part, he is, run, he is managing the, the church at Ephesus. He's, he's ministering there. He's kind of running things, so to speak. It's up to him to step up. Um, and it might seem a little odd that he has to remind him to preach the word. Does it seem kind of odd? Like, preach the word. Well, oh gosh, if I would have thought about that sooner. I'm sure that's not, but it's, it's so it's, it's a little odd, but in, in Timothy, you know, being closer to Paul than anyone else, right, possibly, they were probably closer to each other than anyone, any, than anyone else um, for either of them. So it seems kind of weird that he would tell him this. Um, you know, Paul was his mentor. He knew, he certainly knew his heart, right? He, they spent a lot of time together. He knew, he knew his heart. Um, and Timothy was his longtime confidant, his trusted ministry partner, his traveling buddy. If you've ever seen the uh, Veggie Tales, traveling buddy. Um, I, what's, the, what's his little name? I forget. What, hey, Khalil. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you ever watch Veggie Tales, you'll get what I'm saying. But if not, that's okay. <clears throat> but Paul recognizes, you know, right? He recognizes that there's vulnerability in our humanness, right? This is why he's telling Timothy, he's charging Timothy, he's saying, preach the word. Even the best need to be reminded of this importance, the importance of the responsibility to preach truth, right? Even the best of us, we see people all the time start to take a left turn or a right turn, right? Stay center. Paul's saying, stay center, preach the word, sound doctrine. There's people that go off left and right and they start saying crazy things, we see it all the time, don't we? We get a little too haughty, too little big. Our, you know, there's vulnerability. We are, we're vulnerable, and we need to we need to have these reminders. And particularly in the face of the cultural conditions, like what they were living in, you know, there was false teachers coming in, and they were trying to infiltrate, and they were trying to lead people astray, and and say crazy weird things. Um, are, is, is it any different for us today? No, I mean, it's, it's all over. It's, it's the same thing. So we need to be aware of the pitfalls that can easily ensnare us all. We are all commissioned to maintain humility, right? We're all commissioned, and we do it through humility. And in all honor of our Lord Jesus Christ to preach the word and not waver from the only source of truth. God is the only source of truth. Right? He is it. And if we start wavering from that, we start moving away from that, we're, that's, man, that's, that's the slippery slope we start to get on. So we need to be careful of that. And with the same intensity, accepting no substitute and, take, uh, and not take our responsibility lightly. Right? We can't, it's, there's, there is no substitute for the Word of God. There is no substitute. We have to stick to sound doctrine until the Word of God. And it, it needs to be a responsibility that we don't take lightly. I mean, we're, we're, it's the same commission that, that we're given, that, that, God is, or that Paul has given Timothy here. And just to be careful not to be seduced by the lure of false teaching, false teachers, right? It is, I'll get into that a little bit later. We'll, we'll get there. It's easy to, it's easy to slip away. And that's why he says to be ready in season and out, right? He says, next, he says, preach the word, be ready in season and out. That means we're ready and we're prepared to, to give an answer 
for the, the hope that we have, right? So if you take the farmer, for an example, he sows and he harvests in season. There's a, there's a harvest season. He sows and then in season he harvests. Obviously, it's when the ground is not like it is outside. You don't see any farmers out there harvesting right now or planting for that matter, right? But I can guarantee you that they're not just sitting around doing nothing. They're preparing and planning for the next season. Okay? Where am I going to plant? How am I going to plant? Where, you know, what do I, what row, you know, how am I going to set up my rows? And they're doing all this planning and preparation. They're not just sitting around, feet kicked up, waiting for the snow to melt. Because if they do that, it's probably going to be July this year. Right? Just sorry to say, it's going to take a long time for this snow to melt. Let's hope so. If it's, if it's snow, if it melts really fast, we're probably in trouble. Run for the hills. <laughs> but he doesn't just take the rest of the time off. He is preparing, planning for the, for the next season. And when the time comes to plant, he's ready. He knows exactly what he's going to do. He's prepared. He's ready to do that. So that's one example. And when God calls us to plant through the preaching of his word, we have to be prepared and ready. We're planting, right? When we, when we preach the word, we're planting. We're planting seeds, right? When God calls us, we need to be ready for that. Or take the well-seasoned prize fighter. Anybody ever box here? Did you, have you, were you a boxer at one time? Vern, were you a boxer? Vern was a boxer, all right? I'm not going to ask him to come up here and box me because I won't, I won't win. <clears throat> But the well-seasoned, um, the well-seasoned prize fighter, he trains and he trains and he trains and he trains and he trains, and then the fight, the fight day, right? Fight day comes, and he fights in 12, 15 rounds. Right? Guy has the endurance, whatever. Walks away. The, you know, the fight's over. Walks away. Maybe a few wounds, maybe some cuts, whatever. Goes back, gets fixed up, and then what does he do again? Trains and trains and trains and trains and trains, right? He doesn't take us, he doesn't take the time off. The, my, my, uh, my high school basketball coach, uh, yes, I played basketball. I know it's kind of weird that somebody my height would play basketball, but I played basketball, okay? I was from a small town, so I was probably actually one of the taller ones. Just so you know, up until fifth grade. <laughs> and then I was no longer the taller one. Um, but my, my high school basketball coach always said, practice how you play. Right? You practice how you play. You're ready all the time. Right? You're always, you, you know, you don't take that practice time off. You, you, when you're practicing, you want, to be like, you want it to be like as if you are playing in the real game. So you practice how you play. When we, can, uh, we can be called at a moment, on a moment's notice. And when if, what if God calls you to do something you weren't prepared for? Right? If we aren't ready, if we aren't prepared. All right? And we see it in, in the Word where it happened to the, when the parable of the ten virgins. Right? Five of them weren't ready. They didn't prepare. And at the last minute, God called. And they were like, whoa, wait a second. Oh, quick, run over here. And they go and knock. And what? Sorry. It's all shut up. They weren't ready. So we need to be ready. We need to be ready in season and out. We need to preach the word. Right? We can't waver from that. So the second point is that there are those who will reject the truth. Right? We prepare, we preach, preach the word, whatever, but we need to be aware that there are going to be those that are going to reject the truth. There already is. Verse 3, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears. You know, that's, that's another, another way to say that is that they want their ears tickled. They just want, you know, something some, some feel good. Right? 
They will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. So if we break this down a little bit, um, first and foremost, they will not endure sound doctrine. In other words, they aren't going to put up with it or listen to it. There's going to be those that are not going to, they're not going to, they're not going to endure it. They're not going to put up with it. Some will walk away. Some will not come near. But either way, they will not tolerate it. And we, it's, it's critical. Sound doctrine is critical. If we're going to preach the word, it's got to be sound. Because it is God's foundational message to his people. If we change the foundation, foundational message to his people, it's no longer God's message. It's our message, right? That's not, we, gotta, we have to make sure that we are preaching what God's message is and not add to it or take away from it. It's unchangeable and intended, and it's intended to convince, rebuke, and exhort. In other words, it's meant to bring change and growth in every aspect of our lives, right? Sound doctrine. If we're preaching sound doctrine, there's, there should be changed lives. Our lives should be changed as a result, right? We should be growing in every aspect of our lives. But we know change is hard. We love change. <sighs> How long do we have to endure this, Lord? Right? Change is hard. Even just little stuff that doesn't really have any internal consequences we don't like. Right? It takes effort, and it's often painful. Even good change can be hard. Good change is hard. We just don't like it. It's uncomfortable. Right? It takes effort mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually. It's hard. I remember there was a time when, when God, you know, and, and still is, praise God, he's not done, like, cleaning me up and, 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 and peeling back that onion. But, man, there was a time when it was, like, constant, every week, something, like, hard, like, rip it out, rip it out. You know, and it was like, oh, my gosh, I don't know how much more I can handle of this. It was hard, and it was change, and I'm like, oh, tears and... And weeping and gnashing of teeth. I don't know if there was gnashing of teeth, but it, well, there was a lot of tears. And he was ripping stuff out. And then I just finally said, God, I seriously need a break. I don't know how much more I can handle this. I seriously need a break. Like, can you just like for a couple months, just like, you know, kind of hold off, you know? His answer was no. <laughs> <sighs> The onion, it keeps, keeps peeling it back, right? He wants, it, he wants us to grow. And it's not always fun. But you know what? Staying where, you at, where you're at takes little effort and is comfortable. Staying where you're at doesn't take a lot of effort. It's not, and it's comfortable. You just kind of slide into your comfort zone and it's good. And, you know, I'm just going to put on my slippers, you know, put my feet up have a cup of coffee, put my computer at home. I don't have to come into the office. No, I'm just I'm kidding. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> that sounds like a dream, all right. I, it does. <clears throat> but, you know, it's just comfortable. Being confronted with the truth can often make us feel uncomfortable. And it probably most of the time it does, right? The truth is it's not comfortable all the time. But you know what? Truth doesn't care about feelings. Oh, did he just say that? Truth doesn't care about feelings. Truth is truth. Amen. Right? It doesn't care about how you feel. Sorry. It just doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't. It's going to remain the same, regardless of how we feel. Truth is the same. God is the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. But many will choose to reject and walk away because it's too hard. We're going to look at in John 6, right? Just a small example, maybe a big example, I don't know. It says in John 6, verse 60, it says, Therefore, many of his disciples, when they heard this, now they're talking about like, like when, you, when you, you drink my body and, or drink my blood and eat my body, you know, right? They're like, ooh, this is really strange. 
And and what do they say? Many of his disciples, when they heard this, said, this is a hard saying. Who can understand it? And in verse 66, it says, from that time, many of his disciples went back and him no more. It was too hard. They couldn't understand it. I mean, we look at them and go, what is the matter with them? They had Jesus right in front of them. Hello? I don't, we aren't much different, right? We have to be careful of that. It is hard. It can be hard. But just because it, it's hard doesn't mean it's bad, right? It's actually more worth it if it's hard. They will instead feed their own desires because of itching ears. Now, itching ears refers to people's desires, felt needs. There's a quote. People's desires, felt needs, or wants. It is these desires that compel a person to believe whatever he wants to believe rather than the actual truth itself. When, when people have itching ears, they decide for themselves what is right and wrong. They, defi- they decide for themselves what is right and wrong. And they seek out others to support their notions. Itching ears are concerned with what feels good or comfortable, not with the truth. After all, truth is often uncomfortable. Right? In today's day and age, in the world we're living in, people crave sensationalism. Don't they? Think about it. Like what, the, what we see on TV, reality TV shows, why are those things popular? They're dumb. Right? Survivor. If you watch it, I'm sorry. I don't mean, I mean like, they're just like they're entertainment, but it's sensationalism, right? Watch the news. What do we see on the news? Don't watch the news. My wife is saying, don't watch the news. But if you watch the news, right, it's all sensationalism. It's the biggest crashes, the biggest accidents, the biggest, you know, scandals. It's the biggest everything. Oh, and if the bigger it gets, the better, the juicier, right? Oh, we just love it. We just eat it up because it's sensationalism, right? What is sensationalism? Break it down. Sensations. Sensations. It stirs up our feelings and our emotions. It's sensation. It makes us feel something, right? It's sensational, so it makes us feel like, well, well, if anything else, it's like, Praise God, I'm not like that person, right? I am never going on Judge Judy. I, I, I don't know, she, she would tear me apart. And I'm not going to do that on national TV. I can, do all, I can do that on my own, right? Just make a fool of myself. I'm not going to go on national TV and do it, right? Or Jerry Springer, right? Well, even worse, oh my gosh. But people love those things. It's sensationalism. They let, and they, they, don't you walk away thinking, oh, I'm so much better than that person, right? It stirs up feelings and emotions, but really it fails to generate any real and lasting change. Like that sensation, it doesn't, you know, these things that, you know, that it just doesn't really, it just doesn't change us from the inside out. It just makes us feel something and we walk away and it's like the word says, you know, man who looks in the mirror and immediately when he turns away and walks away, he forgets what he looks like, right? The Word is supposed to change us. It never really satisfies the soul because it never gets to that, that depth level. Never really satisfies us inside, right? So as I was preparing for this or whatever, of course, the commercial, the, 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 the jingle came to mind, right? Snickers really satisfies. Does Snicker really Snickers really satisfy? For about five seconds. Yeah, right? Snickers doesn't satisfy. It's mostly sugar, right? And if you know anything about sugar, it just makes you more hungry and pretty much turns the fat, right? We end up putting a bunch of weight where we don't want it. 
And then we have to get fitness pal and, and, and all these things to try and burn it off and figure out how, how do I get rid of this, what I just put on, right? Don't eat the Snickers! <laughs> that was free. I don't know where I got it. But just eat one. Just, you know, if you get the little ones, they're better. But they don't satisfy either. But isn't that exactly what happens to us spiritually? When we have our ears tickled, we get weighed down with lies, right? Because it's not the truth. So they're lies. So we get weighed down by those. And it's not long before we're hungry again. Jesus said in John 6.35, he says, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will not hunger. And he who believes in me We'll never thirst, right? Jesus is the bread of life, his word. Everything that he says in this book. But still, there will, they will heap up for themselves teachers and turn away from the truth. In other words, they will surround themselves with only those who agree with them, right? They're going to heap up themselves teachers. Teachers and turn away from the truth and people that will tell them just what they want to hear, right? I'm sorry, Snickers doesn't satisfy. You may not want to hear that this morning. It doesn't. If, if, even if it means substituting the truth for a lie. Think about that. I'd rather, I'd rather take a lie. I'd rather to, to believe a lie than the truth. In Romans 1, talks about that. That they exchanged the truth for a lie. What? They will settle for a lie instead of the truth as long as, right? As long as it makes them feel good and satisfies their desires. Albeit just for a moment, Jane, just for about five seconds, right? But they'll accept that truth for a lie as long as it makes them feel good and satisfies their own desires. They're more willing to worship and serve the creature than the creator, right? Now, this is, a, this is, a, this is what, what Timothy is telling Paul. Preach the word because there are going to be, there's going to be opposition and there are going to be people out there that are trying to draw people away by preaching something contrary to the Word of God. You've got to stay to the Word and sound doctrine. And really, we're there now, right? Are, are we not there in, in, our, in today's day and age, in our society, in the world we live in right now? We're there. You know, it's really no different than it was 2,000 year, years ago. We're just seeing it through the lens of a postmodern world. Right? It is a little different than what they were dealing with. But Paul is telling Timothy, there's false teachers out there. You know what? In, in our day and age, there's false teachers here too. It's no different. You know, where the world says everything is relative, there's no truth. You know? What truth? It's whatever you make it. Whatever you, whatever, whatever makes, whatever tickles your ears. Whatever you know, whatever, um, whatever you want to believe, you know, as long as that makes you feel good, because what, what's, the, what's the message? If it feels good, do it. I think that was a commercial, wasn't it? Was that, was that a Nike commercial or something? I don't know. Well, well, somebody tell me, what, look that up. If it feels good, do it. I don't know where it came from. I just remember it. I'm probably one of the, one of the um, products of, you know, of modern uh, um, marketing, you know. I got all kinds of jingles in my head that I don't want to have there. <clears throat> so we need to be careful not to be pulled in by the deception. You know, okay. I see a lot of, you know, we talked about, pointed out a little bit ago about there's a lot of people, a lot of good motivational speakers out there today, right? I see it on LinkedIn, I don't know if you're on LinkedIn or whatever, but Every day, every 
five minutes. Pepsi. Pepsi. If it feels good, do it. Is Pepsi? Do it because it feels right. Wow, okay. Anyway, don't drink Pepsi. It's bad. Because it's all sugar too. Um, but there's a lot of good, there's a lot of motivational, good motivational speakers out there today, isn't there? You look on LinkedIn and every, I really literally every, you can get something for every five minutes. You know, five steps to, you know, whatever. And, you know, and it motivates us and we feel good about it. No, oh, it's great. And, and there's good motivational speakers out there. Like, and I, I'm sorry to say this, but even in the church, even in the church, there's good motivational speakers out there. You see them and they come in and they give a good message and they tickle people's ears and, Oh, it was so good, and oh, I feel so wonderful, and whatever. But there's no long, there's no lasting change. Like we should walk out here different than when we walked in, because God is changing our lives, right? I don't raise your hand if you've arrived. Please, anybody? Ricky, have you arrived? Pretty close, but now. Nobody, none of us have arrived. We all have stuff that we need to grow from and grow in and work, and work on, right? There's stuff. We deal with it. We live in a fallen world. We're human. We bring junk to our relationships and to our lives, right? The Word should change us. We should be different. We should look different. We should look different than the world. Like, our message should be so different than any motivational speaker that people come to a decision point and say, ooh, I need, I need to do something about that. I either need to, like, I either need to reject it or I need to accept it and do something you know, with that. Like, it should, that, that's what sound doctrine does. So even in the church, we see good motivational speakers and people are drawn in by their popularity, aren't they? Like, we are so drawn in by popularity. But we can never assume that they are doing it right, quote unquote, because they are big and popular. I've heard comments. Well, they must be doing something right because they got 9,000 people in their church. Not necessarily. Maybe, but not necessarily. And I'm not against big churches, right? I think there are some big churches that have, like, are like doing amazing things. But we can't assume just because they're big and popular that they're doing it right. Right? So a good gauge of whether or not someone is teaching sound doctrine, John 8, 30. The truth will set you free. Right? You shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. If you feel after hearing a message and, you know, whatever, if you feel like that is freeing to you and you can do something with it, that's a, probably a good gauge that, you know, it's sound doctrine. Huh? It's a good feeling. Be quiet over there. It's a good indicator, right? When we remove the truth, we are brought back into or will remain in bondage. Right? When the truth is removed... We're held in bondage. It's, it holds us in bondage. And that's, that's probably a pretty good gauge of whether or not, you know, someone is preaching sound doctrine. I'm, I, I won't, I'll try to stay away from fire and brimstone today. I'll let Pastor John deal with that. When a man rejects God's truth, it isn't that he believes in nothing, as a quote. When a man rejects God's truth, it isn't that he believes in nothing. He will believe in anything. Truth is relative. I'll believe anything. You know? And it's like, you know, they, oh, you're so closed-minded. Yeah, probably. That's okay. I'm, I'm closed-minded on this, right? This is where my mind is fixed on, right? 
I'm not going to believe everything that comes in here and, you know, and rattles around for a while and then goes out because the next thing comes in and needs room, right? That's relativism. Truth isn't relative and it doesn't care about your feelings. Sorry. And it is those who are turned aside to fables. What's a fable? A fable is a fiction, universally an invention or a falsehood. A lie, in other words, right? It's a lie. Fables. They'll turn over to the fables. Fables provide us with a, a false sense of security because they make us feel good. It gives us a false sense of happiness and joy, false sense of hope, right? Those things... We, we're, we're, not on, we're not on solid ground. We're on, we're on pretty shaky ground if we're turning aside to fables. And it might even be a half-truth. But we can't pick and choose the parts that tickle our ears, right? It says, what does it say? In the beginning was the Word, right? In the beginning was the Word. Now, Jesus was the Word, right? In the beginning in the beginning, in the beginning. From beginning to end, this is God's Word. Now, if I were to open this up, ask Deb if I could use a, use a book or whatever, but if I were to open this up and start ripping pages out, oh, don't like that one, yep. don't like that one, don't like that one, we might get a little bit of a <gasps> response, like, what is he doing? I, I was going to do that this morning, but I, I didn't want to run a Bible, so I didn't have a book, and so anyway. But our, we would be a little bit probably maybe perturbed or shocked or, you know, taken back. Like, what is he doing to his Bible? Does he know that that is the Word of God? Like, we, our reaction would probably be a little bit indignant, maybe. Is that the right word? Yeah, okay, good. It's always good to have a spell checker over here and a fact checker. Right? From beginning and end. It's the whole truth and nothing but the truth. From beginning to end. There's, we, can't, we don't get to pick and choose what's, what's, what's truth and what's not truth in here. It's either all is or it all isn't. Right? And I'm going to pick the stuff that makes me feel good. Um, <clears throat> and the keeper of the... I just, I just opened up there. And the keeper of the prison, awaking from sleep and seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to kill himself. Well, that's great. That doesn't exactly make me feel real good. All right, let's try another one. Here, hold on a second. I'm gonna... yeah. Let's see. Yeah, it gets better. It does get better. I don't know. Go to, go to Lamentations. Go to Ecclesiastes. Go to Numbers. Oh, or Deuteronomy. There's another good one, right? Oh, I, I'm just going to rip Deuteronomy right out of my Bible because it just is like, boring. <laughs> numbers? I hate numbers. I'll let Deb do that. She's an accountant. Or Libby. I mean, they love numbers. I hate them. I use Excel spreadsheets to do like simple math equations because I hate numbers so much. Like, what is 15 and 9? Huh? Let's see. Well, open Excel. 15 plus 9. Got it. Okay, good. Right? I'm taking numbers out of my book, people, because I don't like it. We don't get to pick and choose which parts of the Bible are true or are fun or are real or, you know, whatever. It's, it's, it's true from the beginning to the end. So we must preach the whole truth and nothing but the truth. So, with that, the last point in this whole deal is that we need to be prepared and stay the course despite opposition. Right? What does it say in the beginning? It says, they will turn their ears away from truth and be turned aside to fables. But you, 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 Timothy, you, us, right? This, we can apply this to our lives. This isn't, you know, yeah, Paul's writing to Timothy, but guess what? This is for us to, to take note of because 
what Paul and Timothy were dealing with at that time is no different than what we're dealing with now. It's the same, it's the same scenario, just looks a little different. You be watchful in all things. Endure afflictions. There's good news for you, Greg. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. Right? First and foremost, be watchful. Right? Be watchful. What, 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 do, we, what do we do when we go into a service? Now, let's say you go in somewhere, you're going to go, you've been invited to go somewhere, and you don't know who the preacher is, but you know, hey, this guy's really good, and all he's got good message. Right? Take notes. Go back and check the truth against God's word. Right? Don't just accept it for what it is. That's being watchful, right? Guarding against those things. Knowing when you hear sound doctrine and when you don't. Right? Be watchful. Endure affliction. What's that? What number is that one in our in our five, six things that we is that number six? Endure affliction, right? Persecution. No, what, what is it? What is it exactly? I'm, I, it was it, embrace suffering. Okay. Hey, good job, ten-year-old. Hate when a ten-year-old gets it right and I don't. <clears throat> Endure affliction, right? Embrace suffering. It's going to happen. We're going to we're going to experience it. It's coming. It already is coming, right? So we just have to be we have to be aware of it and work through it and and continue on to, in spite of those things right endure affliction so Paul's telling Timothy you know hey here I'm in prison hey Paul if anybody knew what it was like to be afflicted right he went how many times was he how many times was he uh whipped three times Five times we gave him thirty-nine lashes, and we know that if a fortieth would have probably killed him, like five times. Well, that sounds like a good time, right? But five times he Paul was afflicted. He knew what it was like. He was thrown into prison on a number of occasions, right? Endure. He's telling Timothy, endure affliction. It's so important. It's so important that you should endure through it. It doesn't matter what they can, what they do to you, what they say, right? But just endure it. To know that the Lord is with us through all those things, right? He's got our back. It might not be fun at the time, in, you know, during the, when when that happens. But we can always go to Him. We can always rely on Him. We can always go, you know. Um, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He lies, He makes me lie down in green pastures, right? He walks through the valley of the shadow of death. It doesn't say we just go and we sit down in the valley of the shadow of death and that's where we stay. You know, we go through it and He's there with us walking through it. He was there in the fiery furnace, right? With what, what's the, what's the, what's the veggie tales names? Shadrach, Shadrach and Benny, or whatever their names are. Rackshack and Benny, thank you. Yeah, Rackshack and There is somebody with the young kids right there. <laughs> Rackshack and Benny, right? There was somebody else in that fire with them, right? They didn't know who it was. We know who it was, right? He's there with us in the fiery times when things are coming against us. And that gives us hope. It is the truth. And then he says, do the work of an evangelist. What number is that one? Somebody, what number is, what, what number is being an evangelist? Two? Well, he kept changing the numbers. They're four. Number four. He kept changing the numbers on us. Apparently, truth is changing up here. No, number four, be the, be, do the work of an evangelist, right? Be the work, do the work, that's all for all of us, right? Evangelizing, it's not doing what Vern does necessarily, right? If you've ever been on a, a mission trip or an outreach or, or anything with Vern, you'll catch some of what it means to be an evangelist, right? 
but burn. And that guy can preach, he can, he can evangelize, but you know, it's not just for him. We are all to reach out. An evangelist just simply means preach the word, right? Share the word with other people. Talk to people in your circle. We have influence. And our message, we have a message of hope, right? Of life, right? Because in the end, we win. God wins, right? We can bring that message to those who are hurting, right? And even though people are going to come against us in opposition, and even though they're going to turn away from the truth, that doesn't mean we stop telling the truth. We still have to tell the truth and pray that God will open the eyes of their understanding, that he will give them ears to hear, right? His, his, his desire is that none shall perish, right? But that all should come to him. Amen? And lastly, fulfill your ministry. God's calling us all to be, we're all part of a body, right? We're part of a body. We're all called to, to ministry. This isn't just for, you know, the professional Christian, as Pastor John puts it, right? It's, we all have a ministry. God has given us all an, uh, an, an, influence, an area of influence. He's given us all somewhere to reach. Pastor Dan can't reach everybody. Comes close. <laughs> but he can't reach everybody, right? You know, I mean, you guys have people that you can reach. John, Ashley, and I mean... You guys, Blanchard, I mean, we all have somebody that, that we can reach that, that are around us, right? Fulfill your ministry. If it's, a, if it's a workplace ministry, then fulfill it and do it, right? God has given us tools. He's given us giftings. He's given us all kinds of... He, it's not just so that we can like you know, take them and hoard them for ourselves, Right? He's putting things in our lives so that we can use those things to be effective. If it's money, then use it for his glory, right? If it's you are just like a phenomenal carpenter, <laughs> glory be to God. You know, I mean, if you can like see a room and go, well, we need this here and that here. Praise God, I don't have that gifting. We all need you, right? We need all the gifts in the church. Fulfill your ministry. God is calling us all to something and to influence those around us. And the key to all of this, right, is speaking the truth in love. Right? Speaking the truth in love. We can, This can't be... a condemnation message. This can't be a condemning, oh, oh. I see them over there, they just turned away from truth. Oh, just, oh my gosh. What's the matter with them? How can they be so stupid and blind? That is not love. Right? Speak the truth in love. It's love. It's that love that draws people. Right? It's that love that draws people in. We have to speak it in. We have to speak the truth in love. If we don't, they are going to turn from it. They're going to get their 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 ears are going to burn because they just don't. You know, it's just so annoying. Like it's like what Paul says in in uh, in First Corinthians thirteen, right? Like the clanging cymbal and the gong. Wherever you ever you ever, I want to go clang that cymbal. Right? It's annoying. If I just sat up here and clanged the cymbal. <laughs> You all would run out eventually or mob me, one of the two. It's annoying, right? If there's no love, that's kind of what it's like, a clanging symbol. And that's what we're hearing. It's like, and people are like, okay, you're really annoying. I don't want to hear this, right? It's got to be in love. Last but not least, we need to remember that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Why? That the man of God may be complete, 
thoroughly equipped for every good work. Right? That's what it's about. That's what Paul is telling Timothy. Preach the word. Maintain sound doctrine. Speak the truth in love. Right? Because there's people need to be changed. They need to know that there's a Savior that can save them from their sins and from certain death. Right? And destruction. Amen? Amen. All right, well, let's pray and we can get, get you out of here. Father, we thank you so much for your word. God, I pray that, that we would uh, just always, Father, turn to your word and preach the word in truth. Father, that we would never waver from that, that we would never um, go to the right or the left from, from sound doctrine, Lord God. I pray, Father, that this message would, um, would resonate with, with your people, Father, and that they would uh, use it to be encouraged, um, to be uplifted, to be strengthened and um, energized, Lord God. Um, I pray that if there is any condemnation, Father God, that that would just be silenced in the name of Jesus. God, you have... Um, you have overcome the world. And it's your message, Lord God, that will free people, that will bring freedom to their lives, Lord God, and it's only your truth. From the beginning to the end, Lord God, that's going to make the difference. Father, I pray that each and every time that we come into a service, Lord God, that we come in with the attitude that we purpose to be changed from the inside out, that will be different, leaving than when we came in, Lord God. So I pray that you'd speak to each of our hearts, Lord God. I pray that you'd minister to us, Lord God, where there's need. I pray that you would bring the answer to that, Lord God. That there would be no need, Lord God, that, there, that we would lack nothing, Lord Jesus. Just as your word says, so we thank you for your grace and your mercy here this morning. I pray that you would protect each and every person traveling, Lord God. Watch over us, Father, and keep us safe. And I pray, Father, that you would be with us this week, that we would um, be an evangelist, that we would do the work of the ministry, Lord God. Whatever you're calling us to do, it doesn't have to be um, anything like in front of 10,000 people, Lord God. It can be one-to-one. -one. And that is just as important. So we thank you for it. We bless your name and we give you glory and the honor in Jesus' name. Amen.